How's it going guys? Welcome back to Thinking Musician. I'm super excited about the topic that we have today. We're going to talk about practice in all of its forms and applications and that might not be a very exciting uh, concept but I want to approach it in a little bit of a different way uh, to maybe help us appreciate not just uh, the act of practicing but anticipate the results uh, from practicing maybe in a new way and in, in other areas of life that maybe you hadn't thought about. So I'm going to pray. Father, I just thank you for another opportunity to uh, think about music, think about uh, concepts in your word, think about this concept of practice from your word and also from uh, mus- a music- musician standpoint. And Lord, just help us. Be with us today. Let us uh, be sharpened and trained in our thinking and understanding of who you are. And Lord, at the end of the day, I just hope that the result of this is your people going to your word and seeking you and just having a a fresh motivation to uh, pursue you for themselves and pursue uh everything that you've called them and created them to be as musicians or whatever it is that we do, whatever roles that we're in just to practice and and that you would help us discover more of what that means in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, talking about this concept of practice, you can look in the New Testament. You can see all over the scripture. Uh, if it's David talking in the Psalms about meditating on God's word or practicing uh, God's word, uh, rehearsing God's word to himself, to his mind. You you see that, you see these calls to uh, practice certain character traits, to practice certain uh, frames of mind all over the word. Now, the word goes without saying, when it comes to music practice, is essential. If we want to be good musicians, we need to practice. Now, I want to talk uh, real briefly about uh, practice for me as a student and then as a teacher, uh, practice, and then lack thereof. So, as a student growing up, I started playing the drums and taking lessons when I was about six years old. And I was playing, I guess you could call it drums. I was setting up, you know, toy cars on my couch and beating them with paint sticks, you know, when I was young. Practicing music was not something that I had to be told to do or commanded to do. It was something that I loved to do. I loved to play drums. Now, not everyone is like that, but I want to talk about the results of what happens when you practice. Because of consistent practice for me, that resulted in me being able to go out and do some really, really cool things. Because I kept up my level of practice from, you know, six and seven years old, uh, you know, banging on whatever I could find, pots and pans, to a snare drum, to an actual drum set when I was eight, uh, And just continuing to do that resulted in me playing for, 
you know, children's services when I was 11 years old and then uh, playing for youth and, and, you know, middle school when I was about uh, 13 and 14. And then when I was 16 years old, I started playing for a 4,000 member church at 16 years old. And if you would have tried to reason with me as a kid, hey, here's here's what's going to happen if you practice. Here is what is going to happen if you just grind it out day after day. Uh, I don't know if I would have believed it or if I wouldn't have believed it, but there was a dream in me to be that guy, to be the one playing on the big stage. And that's what I wanted to do. But more than that, I just love the instrument. And those things led me to practice on a, on a daily basis, sometimes an hour, sometimes two hours a day. Now, there are so many musicians that have gone so much further than I have. Uh, beyond, you know, serving at that church, I've, I've played at conferences, I've played in other states and other countries, uh, been able to record on some albums, and it's been a lot of fun. In addition to being able to serve uh, lots of God's people many times, to be able to glorify the Lord with my gifts. Uh, it's been a lot of fun and a lot of cool experiences have, have come from, you know, all the practice that I put into drumming. Now, why do I say all that? Because there were also times of my life where I wasn't practicing much. I let I let other things get in the way, even if it was good things. I really didn't spend some time, you know, during certain years of my life really, really practicing. And had I done that, had I practiced during those years where, you know, there was just a lot of life going on, who knows what could have happened or who knows what could have been. But I'm able to see the the results of faithful practice over a number of years, and people look at me now, and they're amazed, right? But they don't see all that time of practice. They don't see the development. They don't see me as a little kid, you know, trying to figure out what it is to hit a drum. Now, I want to relate that to faith. I want to relate that to Christianity. I want to relate that to pursuing and having a relationship with Jesus and the Holy Spirit because one of the things that we have harped on over and over and over again in this podcast is engaging with and encountering heaven. Engaging the word of God. Acquainting ourselves with God's promises. With knowing who he is. With knowing better who he's made us. And that has become a practice of mine. Now, it goes without saying, if you take somebody who starts day one on a drum set, it's probably going to be a big mess. If you take somebody four or five years down the road, they probably know what they're doing if they practice consistently. In fact, if you play for a week consistently practicing, every day, you'll be able to do things that you would have had no idea that you could do, you know, at the very beginning of that time. Practice is a very 
uh, applicable concept to not just music and not just faith, but you look at sports, you look at these athletes who have trained day in and day out for years, maybe even decades of their lives, and are just world-class athletes. And once upon a time, they were little kids who couldn't do anything. And what separates them? Sure, there's, there's talents and natural abilities, but this theme of practice is consistent with every single person who's ever achieved anything, who's ever served anyone or blessed, and blessed anyone. There's, there's this theme of practice. Now, I want to talk about the practicing from a teacher's perspective, and I'll, I'll tell you what I've, I've seen. And if you've taught students, you can probably relate to this. If I would go to my student's house and there was very little musical gifting, but I came and, you know, taught him some things and he actually applied what he learned, he would come back the next week and he had learned what we had worked on. And we practice it, you know, again that week and then we add on a little something new. You know, he struggles with that at first, but then by the end of another week of practicing, he's a little bit better. And then you carry that on and a year into playing drums or a year into taking lessons or even six months, that student can play a recital. That, could, that student can, can play a piece on, you know, guitar or a song on guitar or uh, do something impressive on their drum set. And people can see, wow, this person has been practicing. This person has been working hard and we can see the results and appreciate their proficiency. If you have a student who doesn't practice at all, as a teacher, you end up going the same thing every week and you just teach them the exact same thing every week and there's almost no improvement. The student stays in the exact same place. They're probably never going to play in front of anyone else unless they start practicing. They're probably never going to be able to serve people with their gifts unless they practice. And on top of that, they're never really going to feel happy. They're going to come to lessons, you know, feeling a little guilty that they didn't practice and they're not going to be enjoying their music. And it's just a bummer of a situation. Now, Applying those two contrasts as well to our faith. If we pursue God and make a practice of getting to know him, of getting to know his word, of getting to hear the voice of his spirit, of entering into heavenly places to trying to know and discern the will of God, there is going to be an increase in all of those things. You're going to be better at all of those things the more you practice it. And then contrast that with somebody who goes to church every Sunday and tries to grow in their spiritual walk listening to a sermon every week. That is the student and this might sound harsh because going to church is a commitment. It is a time commitment. It is a commitment to have a lesson every week. People are committing time, and that's an important thing. But you waste that time if you don't practice 
throughout the week. If we look at the example of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, right, you'll see in in the Gospels, they'll talk about this practice that Jesus had of going out every morning to spend time with his Father. It was a daily practice. Another thing that we can see is if we don't practice, we regress, we get worse, right? So, you know, Jesus has this daily practice of connecting with his Father and we see what he did, and he said, I've, I've set you an example. This is, this is my call to you. And that doesn't necessarily mean, I'm not trying to get legalistic with this, it doesn't mean that we have to go and spend, you know, hours every morning out in the fields praying. But I'm saying that there's a repetition and a practice and a regularity to pressing in to to whatever it is in our lives, if it's sports, if it's music, if it's, you know, even practicing being a better husband or a better father or practicing being a better listener. There are all these hats we can put on where we see that practice is so necessary. And I also want to talk about practice from two different points of view. If we practice because we have to, That is good, but it's also not good because if you practice just because you have to or just because somebody else expects you to, then you're not fully engaging in your practice. Usually, there's got to be a desire and a drive, and usually that desire and that drive comes from several things. It comes from a belief that you will and can grow a belief that practice will yield results, and a belief that there is something good around the corner. So if I practice being a good husband, I don't want to do that because I have to and that life is going to be bad if I don't. I want to practice that because I believe that marriage is amazing, that I can be an amazing husband, and that I can, you know set an example, and serve, you know, for other husbands out there. And then I can become even better and do things and behave in ways and bless and serve my wife that maybe didn't even occur to me. So if I'm practicing things like that, and then you look at biblical qualities, uh, there's a passage in the New Testament. Uh, it's in, I believe it's in First Peter. Um, I'm looking it up right now. Hopefully I can find this. Here we go. So so in 2 Peter chapter 1, it says, Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. And that, that verse is coming at the end of this long list where Peter has said, Hey, put on all of these qualities. And he says, if you practice these, you will never stumble. Now, hold on a second. James says we all stumble in many ways. But Peter's talking about what about if we (laughs) practice these qualities? He's saying, if you practice these qualities, you will never stumble and become stagnant in your knowledge of God. 
That's what scripture says. I want to take that seriously. I want my expectation to be tied to what the word of God says. And if our, to be perfectly honest, if our expectation about what is possible is not drawn from scripture and what God has said is possible, then we're probably going to not give something like practice you know, we're not going to attribute to it the value that it can have for us. Because if we put a ceiling or say, well, I only believe that this certain amount of good stuff is possible, but it's not what God said, you're, you're removing motivation for yourself to, to go for it all, to shoot for, you know, the stars, if you will. I want to talk about one other scripture that, uh, the Lord really used in my life when it comes to practice. And that is Hebrews chapter 5. And Hebrews chapter 5 is a heavy hitter. Uh, God used Hebrews chapter 5 in my life uh, to sort of wake me up about how I was pursuing him. Because I was, you know, I would read my Bible but it was not always, it, it, it didn't necessarily flow from this intense pursuit and that practice and that drive that I had with drumming when I was a kid, where it was like, I knew I could do it. I knew I was destined to go do big things. And, and for me, Christianity and practicing my faith was more about uh, maintaining a relationship with God and trying not to sin rather than like actually knowing him and one of the things that has excited me so much about my pursuit of God is going to his word and believing that he wants to speak to me, seeing these amazing promises, believing them, starting to practice them, and then you start to see some results in your own life, and that'll fire you up. Now, this passage in Hebrews, end of chapter 5, what it says is, you know, they're talking about the priesthood of Jesus and him being our great high priest and bringing us to God and, and all that that accomplished through his death and resurrection. And they're saying they have a lot to say about all that, how Jesus is a priest and, and how he's like, you know, a priest in the Old Testament who's immortal. And he says, by this time, you ought to be teachers. He says, you've become dull of hearing even though you should be teachers by now, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. If you think about it, milk is what babies eat. Babies can't eat solid food. They need milk. Everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature who the, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good and evil. All right? Now, that's, that's a lot happening right there. You can read that and be like, oh my gosh, you know, what, what exactly is all this saying? Well, I want to kind of break it down just a little bit because this, this passage uh, hit me hard where I was at in my life because I knew that I had been a Christian for a long time. But the level of practice 
to get to truly know the Lord and to get to know his heart and to practice being who I am in Jesus, that level of practice was not there. And, you know, even though I had taken a lot of Bible classes and heard a lot of theology, getting to know God is entirely different from being in a classroom and learning biblical concepts, learning, memorizing Bible verses. And none of those things are bad. Those things have helped me a ton in my life. Think about the Apostle Paul and all the Pharisees. They all knew a ton of Bible truth and they practiced knowing the Bible and knowing God's word. They practiced that so hard, but they missed God and they missed Jesus. How is that possible? Paul had not yet encountered Jesus. He had not been born again and filled with the Holy Spirit so that all of the stuff that he learned could actually be used to build God's church. And Paul said all that stuff that he knew, all the practice that he spent in those things, anything gained from that. And and I would honestly say that the same exact thing is true for me musically. Any musical skill or gain or accomplishments that I achieve, if it's not done in the Lord, it's rubbish, it's trash, it's worthless. In the book of Ecclesiastes, we talked a couple podcasts ago. That honestly is a pretty depressing book for somebody who doesn't know the Lord and who doesn't know that he's building his kingdom with us and and we can work with him to accomplish his will and his purpose. Because the book of Ecclesiastes talks about everything under the sun being toil and striving after wind and vanity. So apart from Christ, Paul is saying any of his achievements are worthless. Paul goes even further in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and he talks about everything being worthless without love. You could do all the great things. You could do all the great feats. You know, you could serve. You could do all these things. You could know your scripture. You can know all these things. But without love, it's meaningless. And I believe that the scripture tells us, and test this for yourself, go read it. But in Romans chapter 5, it says, through the Holy Spirit, the love of God is poured into my heart. So I need the Holy Spirit for God's love to fill up my heart. I need the Holy Spirit to be converted. I need the Holy Spirit to to fill me up with the love of Jesus. I need the Holy Spirit to teach me about who God is. Guys, if we do not know how to recognize the voice of the Spirit, if we have not practiced that, let me first encourage you that we can. We can know him because, again, in God's word, it promises us this. If we practice it, we will get better. I don't know if y'all have read any biographies or autobiographies or um, stories about heroes of the faith or saints or anything like that, but you don't have to look super far to find people who had dynamic walks with the Holy Spirit and absolutely shook up the world around them. I think for a lot of us, we can be in this bubble of westernized Christianity 
and think that it has to look a certain way, just like a fashion trend. Our lives must look like this, or if we're a Christian, our life is going to appear in this way. And a lot of that is completely void of actual encounter with the divine, with God. And it's not enough to encounter him one time. Paul, yes, he encountered God one time, and that changed his life forever. But that led to him pursuing God and other encounters happened, and these other encounters were profound, and they changed the world. One of those encounters that he had with the Lord was this mystical encounter where he's in the temple pursuing the Spirit of God. He's in the Spirit, and God tells him to leave Jerusalem, and that's how Paul goes on his missionary journeys, and that is how he writes half the New Testament. In another encounter, Peter is in the spirit, and he has this encounter with God, and he has a vision, and that is how the gospel gets to the Gentiles. Only the Jews were being shared with at that point. And then God said, no, I want to pour out my spirit on the Gentiles, and it came through a man being in the spirit, drawn by the Lord, and he encountered God in a way that changed the world. It's pretty exciting stuff. You also see John in the book of Revelation. He's in the spirit on the Lord's day. And I've heard so many people argue that they think that the apostles' experience and their faith and what they had access to is different from us today. That's what people think. Or people think that the charismatic gifts, the gifts of the Holy Spirit and this this walk with the Holy Spirit is somehow replaced by the Word of God and by the Scriptures. So they think that all we need to do is read our Bible and we'll be good to go. Well, that pharisaical mindset is what didn't save anyone and didn't bring anyone to God. In fact, Jesus told the Pharisees who tried to shut down people's actual walk with God and make everything go through them or religion or through the church. And not the church, it was, it was Judaism. It was the way that the structure that God had given people to, uh, to relate to him, his people to relate to him. What ended up coming out of that was Jesus said a lot of people trying to enter the kingdom and they were never allowed to because it was devoid of the Spirit of God. A lot of times you look at the Old Testament and you see the prophets, you see King David, you see anyone who had a walk with God typically spent time alone and practiced being around the presence of God. A biblical musician, probably the best known one is David, King David. Apparently he was a very good musician, a very good songwriter or psalm writer. He wrote most of the psalms, but one story that's not very well known about David is he was a very good harp player, and one time the king of Israel was being attacked by a harmful spirit, and the people of the day just knew, okay, well, what you do in this situation is you find a musician with a good spirit. 
he goes and plays for the person who's troubled by a bad spirit. It lifts the bad spirit and changes the atmosphere in the place. And that was common knowledge back in the day. I don't know why it really isn't quite that way anymore, but I feel like if, you know, as soon as playing in a good spirit or the spirit of God is mentioned, people think that it's all spooky and it's all this, you know, ethereal out there stuff. Well, if we think about it, God's the one who spoke this reality into existence. So the things that are happening in the spiritual or supernatural realms are absolutely real. And you have all these examples of Old Testament prophets, and this is one of the biggest reasons why I think we shouldn't accept any idea that we have a lesser faith or a lesser access to the Holy Spirit than even the apostles, because, you know, you look at these Old Testament guys who did amazing miracles, Elijah, these prophets, and the same spirit, you know, that was on those guys is in believers in Jesus. You also see, uh, the, the scriptures say that the spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is within us. So what I find a lot of times are people who expect these things and people who expect to encounter the Lord and expect to be able to hear his voice and who say, okay, this is, you know, this is, it says this in scripture. Well, they go out and practice it. And people who don't really believe it don't really practice it. And the people who believe it and who practice it are good at it. And the people who don't believe it or don't practice it aren't very good at it. Much like a student who just, you know, shows up for the drum lesson every week, but does zero practice in between. Well, that student probably doesn't believe he's going to be any good. Does it have any love or passion for what he's, for what he's doing? you know, and no belief that, that good things are going to come out of it. Well, if that describes us in our faith as well, again, what's our expectation? Do we know the promises of God? Are we aware of the promises of God? Do we believe them? Do we practice them? Just a, just a word for if you're a musician and if you've been a musician for a long time, if you're a worship leader, you know, whatever you do, if, if you do something musical, I would encourage you, we talked about prayer in the last episode, I would encourage you to approach times of practice with prayer and engaging the spirit and, and take these two concepts of practicing your instrument with this expectation that God wants to use you. And, and a really cool thing is you look at that story of David that we talked about earlier, and you see that he played in a good spirit, played with the spirit of God. That changed his dynamic as a musician so that he wasn't just playing an instrument well, and he wasn't even just playing an instrument. He was engaging with the presence of the Lord, and, and shining, shining that light, right? Shining that light that God had put in him. If that's how we perceive ourselves as we're going to practice our music, man, I think that that's really going to change. And, and I know I say this, but I mean it. 
I think there's going to be a shift in what you encounter when you play music, what you encounter in yourself when you practice, and what other people will encounter with you when you serve, when you lead, when you play. Now, just to close with one, one or two more thoughts. So we've got this practicing engaging the presence of God and practicing pressing into the Holy Spirit, practicing biblical Christianity faith things, and practicing our instrument together. That's one. That's one thing. You also look at, uh, you know, practicing roles or practicing other things in life. You can take these principles and apply them to any area of life. You know, practicing in the gym. Somebody who goes to the gym and actually works out for about, you know, six months, they're going to look a lot different than somebody who goes the first day of six months, goes two or three times, goes maybe once a month. There's going to be no lasting change for that person. So just questions. Is our expectation for what is possible if we practice our music and practice our faith? Are those things accurate? Are expectations correct? Well, let's let God's word inform what we expect to happen in our practice. Right? Those promises of God from from 1 Peter or 2 Peter chapter 1. You know, what Jesus says to us in, in that John 14 to 17 section. I mean, that's, that's probably one of the most powerful sections in Scripture. I would encourage you to get really familiar with what Jesus says to his apostles and in, in his disciples in that section. It's really important. And then even the, the words in Colossians 3, you know, if we're seated in heaven, practice thinking from heaven. Practice engaging that reality. Now, I just want to close with this. The more, the more we engage with these things, the more I believe that what will happen is we start encountering the Lord more in our worship we start encountering the Lord more in our personal lives. That raises our expectation even higher for what he can do and what he wants to do through us, what his heart is for us, his love for us. We'll start to see if we practice these things, stuff that we thought would stick with us for the rest of our lives, mindsets that we thought would stick with us for the rest of our lives, start to disappear, start to fade off, start to go away. We're going to start to experience a love that maybe we had never thought possible before, a passion for God, for his kingdom, for his people. And that is my prayer, that as we practice our musicianship, as we practice our faith, engaging with the Lord, engaging with his spirit, engaging with Jesus, 
and applying that to whatever you do in life. There's good things out there. There's good things that are going to be coming because these are promises in God's word. So let's get to know him. Let's get to know his word, stand on his promises, and go kick butt with our music. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next time.